to this week's episode of Please Don't Make Me Watch. This week you can expect a fadeaway. Killing in the Caribbean. Mass incarceration. And the biggest what the fuck moment ever seen. It's amazing. You'll understand when we get to it. Yeah. So this week, Alice, culture, what have you done? Culture. So I've read loads and loads of books basically because it's summer holidays. Yes. So it's the time for me to catch my way reading. Um, a a thing on Goodreads that I went to read 65 books this year and I was a bit behind but now I'm on like 30 oh, that's going. something 37 or something so I'm alright yeah um so I read what was really good I read Orlando by Virginia Woolf which is like the dream oh my god I, I will I really want to read that because I've seen the film but I haven't read the book I've never seen the film and I almost don't want to go with mm. book too much and I read Slaughterhouse Five for the first time, which is also fucking amazing, and that is yeah. like a classic. Oh my god, wow! And I read Invisible Women by um, Caroline Criado Perez, Ooh. who is the woman who got Jane Austen on a banknote, and she got the statue of Emmeline Pankhurst in Parliament Square, and she's just basically a legend and like terrifying but amazing. Yes. And it's all about the gender data gap and how women are basically shat on by every society. It was fascinating. I'm now very riled up. As is my mum, we had a big argument with my dad about it. So that was great times on a family holiday. Woo, always good. What about you? Um, equally, a lot of books. Um, I've been rereading A Song of Ice and Fire recently. It's a sort of, I know Game of Thrones, the TV series is finished, but I'm also what my friend lovingly named, named me a book wanker because I'd read the books and was like, it doesn't happen like this in the book and it's so much better. Um, which some of the storylines are. 25 times better in the book than they are in the show. Also, the, the one I really want to talk about is This Is Gonna Hurt by Adam Kay. Oh my god, so good. I read that it, in the book club. Yeah. I, I started it three days ago and I've just finished it and oh, I'm thinking... That's so good. It's, it's incredible and it's really funny but also just heartbreaking in places. It's like, you, the tone has got from the very start when you open the book mm. and he's like, this book is for everyone. I'll explain everything for you. And then he talks about a stethoscope and there's like a little footnote and it's like... I know I said it's for everyone, but if you don't know what a stethoscope is, I suggest you re-gift this book. Yeah. Like. Uh, our friend who's gonna, she's gonna start becoming a doctor, yeah. she recommended this book to me, and I think, why would, if you want to become a doctor, why would you read this book? I, well, my book club, it was chosen by the girl who's okay. becoming a doctor right Interesting. now. So I feel like it's probably so we understand their pain. Yeah, maybe. But it, it's so fascinating. And I've just started Tamed by Alice Roberts which is another bit of non-fiction. It's about kind of 10 species that were domesticated by humans and how that has affected sort of their relationship with us and also the relationship with the earth. It's so interesting. Cool. It's fascinating. Okay. Highly recommend it. I've only read the first chapter. The first chapter's all on dogs. Okay. And it's, oh, it's so interesting. If you're sort of an archaeology, paleontology nerd like I am, great, great book. Cool. Or any of your members of your family. None of them, but I'll still look at it. <laughs> yeah. I think we should get on with the show, on Yay! with the show. This is like the quickest like culture section we've ever done. I think because we, we both just distracted. talked about books. Yeah, and books are great and you yeah. just want to be like, read them. I can't express to you how good they are. But they are great and you'll love them. Yeah, exactly. But with this week's TV, yes. um, we, well, you got me into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I did. And I'm this is a show, friend. I will hold up and say, I don't think it's as good as Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. I, I think... It does play to a similar sort of vein as Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but I think there are some differences that we'll get into when we discuss the show. It's a female-led musical comedy show called Garfunkel and Oates. So, 
Garfunkel and Oates is a series from 2014 created by Ricky Lintolm and Kate Micucci, who also play the titular Garfunkel and Oates. Um, the reason they're named that is because they decided to name their comedy duo after two of the most famous um, rock second bananas, after Simon and Garfunkel and Hall and Oates. Oh, I um, that. And it follows uh, their journey as they try to make it big through Hollywood, one satirical song at a time. I like the show a lot. I think it's strengths from the songs because they were pr they were a comedy musical duo before they did the show. It wasn't as if they sort of had always had this kind of narrative sort of they wanted to tell narrative they wanted to tell. It was more of a byproduct of sort of weaving their songs into a TV show. I think some of it's a little bit clunky, but I also think some of it's really fun. And I think the songs are the standout of this show. I'm interested to see what you think coming off it, especially from coming off Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, I thought it was, like, fine. I feel very met about this show. Yeah. I've seen both of them on other TV mm -hmm. shows because they're, like, those American actors that you're like, no idea what your name is, but you're in You're in everything, yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that. Uh, I like The Fade Away. Oh, The Fade, the fade Away. Which is a song, which is clever. And I like what they're doing with like female comedy and being mm. like, yay, we have sex. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> That's the comedy. Um, it's, it's, so it's, that, yeah. but... it's a shame because I think their best song isn't ever in the show, which is called The Loophole, which um, has the iconic line, fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. Oh, and it's, it's, that which is about cool. sort of a lot of right wing American Christian evangelical teenagers having anal sex because it doesn't count as having real sex. They have, they still have their virginity, but they do butt stuff. We're a classy podcast. We really are. Wait um, till we get to Alice's film. Oh my god, the best thing. Yeah, I just felt very. I did watch it at work mm. as per. Um, yeah. Because it's very easy to watch. I almost went into another episode, but it wasn't on Netflix, so it wasn't super easy to do that. I thought it was on Netflix. I think it's been taken down. Uh, I could be wrong. That was a, I, I, Maybe I'm wrong. I definitely watched Regardless, it on Netflix. I found it somewhere else. And it wasn't so easy to watch the next Like, it didn't just uh, segue okay, into the yeah. next one. If it had, I probably wouldn't have turned it off. Mm. As it was, I was like, I'm not paying an effort to find the next one. Like, yeah, fair That enough. sounds like a lot. And I don't know. I, f I found the comedy, like, fine, but a little bit. Yeah. It didn't inspire me. It it's, wasn't, like, it's nothing It's, it's nothing very classic, special, like, yeah. American met comedy. But I, I think... I think I like what they're doing though. Yeah, I do. I do think though it is it, the songs are the main. Yeah. Portion. I, I think to a similar way with Crazy Ex Girlfriend, but Crazy Ex Girlfriend has a much stronger plot. Yeah. And they and the songs they are like a musical in Crazy Ex Girlfriend. It's it's and the song is now going to expand upon the plot in a grand musical theatre yeah, sort of gesture. Yeah, and also they like the lyrics of Crazy Ex Girlfriend songs are funny, but also the way that they parody other yeah. songs. Like it's so. Mm. There's lots of layers that you mm. can enjoy in the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend songs. Yeah. And this one, it was like... It's a lot of The fadeaway is, like, funny, but yeah. I would almost just rather see, like, your comedy show. Yes. Rather than... They do have a Netflix have a special. Okay. And I, I actually think that's, that's much better because it is just the songs and it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and I think it is kind of very much based on wordplay. There's got, they've got a song that comes later in the show called Both Sides Can Laugh which is about someone like addressing them on Twitter being like, why don't you make a song about how everyone can laugh and not just sort of all this kind of stuff about sex and, oh, right, and they kind of respond to that in quite an amusing way. Um, I feel like their songs are just funny, but like, yeah, like you said, it felt like the story had just been tacked on. They were like, yeah. well, there are two of us. So one of us has to be like really sexually liberated and the other person has to be like, repressed, really repressed. Yeah. And I've just seen that. Like it's done in Sex in the City. Yeah. 
and his son in loads of other shows and they didn't do it so well that I was like no genius I mean I think I think there's reasons didn't get picked up for series two yeah um, I think having watched the whole thing, I'm just I just think back to the oh the songs are great like there's one called Sports Go Sports. It really reminded me of the Midnight Beast if you ever saw that. Yes. Yeah, the Midnight Beast were like an amazing YouTube, YouTube, YouTube band who I loved when I was younger. I almost went yeah. to see them live. They like... they got they got big with a TikTok Kesha parody. Oh my god. Which I remember when when we were in school that was. Oh my god, she must be a lesbian. That's yeah. the next one. It's all about like a guy getting re rejected and being like she must be a, a lesbian. lesbian. <laughs> she doesn't like me so. Yeah. Oh my god, such. And then, oh, the quotable line. She must be a thespian. Yeah. Is that right? right. Yeah. yeah. She must, must be, be a thespian. thespian. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of that sort of, they have a very, I think both the Midnight Beast and Garfield Notes have a very specific musical style. They stick to it and it's about the words. And which is very funny, yeah. but also I would rather just watch it on YouTube. Exactly, yeah. In like a five minute clip rather than watch your like shit story that you tacked on. Yeah. No, and I, th I, think, I think the Midnight Beast show suffered from the same problem. Exactly the same thing. They tried to make it funny and they're like, they work, they work, they work they're songs. musicians yeah. kind of. Whereas I think what Rachel Bloom did with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was she was like, this is the concept, this is the yeah. main thing that we're telling. It was and about the plot, it yeah. became about the plot and then the songs were like, great. Yeah. The best thing about it, but it's still about the plot. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But no, I think I think you kind of thought exactly the same thing yeah. as I did, really. Yeah. But I was just, I just thought... I'm glad I saw it though because yeah. I had wondered what it was like. And I do think check out some of the rest of their songs. I think they are, they are very good. Right, my TV. Uh, this is like one of my favourite relaxing trashy shows. Mm. It comes out every year in December. No, January. Okay. Just as the new year starts when you're like, life is grim. Everything is dark. What do I do? I have to go back to work. And then, death in paradise. Come back. Death in Paradise is one of my top trashy TV shows. It was started in 2011 and it continues, like I said, to the present day. Mm. It was created by Robert Thorogood. What a nice name. And it originally starred Ben Miller, but since then, this isn't a spoiler, he has been replaced by a series of lovable British, like fumbling, Hugh Grant-esque yeah. kind of ex-comedian-y people, like Chris Marshall and Ardell O'Hanlon. Mm. Ardell O'Hanlon is it at the moment and I... Love him because I love he's, him. He's very funny. Um, so starring Ben Miller and Mitch Lee, it follows a London detective who's transferred to this beautiful Caribbean yeah. island and then is given this insanely beautiful sidekick who's really clever yeah. and like cool and um, what's she called? I can't remember. I can't remember, but she's really cool. And then they've got like two bumbling police uh, people. To, yeah. look, to kind of look after. So it's kind of a team show, but it does star one main person. Oh, Camille! Camille, I love Camille. That's it. Yeah, and then you've got Dwayne Martins. and Fidel, and they're like the sergeants or the officers underneath. So you've got, yeah. yeah. Is it, it's your classic police show in that the beginning get dramatically someone dies um, in like the most ridiculous way yeah. ever. And then the whole show is partly them working it out, partly them just working out like a random problem that's happened on the island or about themselves. And then at the end, everything is always okay. Yeah. And they always solve it. And there's no stress. No. Do you like it? <sighs> oh. Not really. I, I can completely see why you like it though. For me, I just thought it was a... I found it really kind of Sunday tea time predictable. Yeah, that's the point! But I, then I just, I, I didn't really find it interesting because I feel like with the first, the, just the first episode alone, there was so much set up in yeah. the first half in the first half an hour I was like oh you mean like set up the why is he there and yeah and I was I was kind of thinking he's there great 
I feel like I should have just told you to watch any episode because mm. I didn't get into it by watching it from the start. I just watched no. one episode and that was the best. And I think I think that's my thing. Is it really reminded me? Uh, interestingly, we spoke about Call the Midwife when you mentioned this show last yeah. time. It really did remind me of Call the Midwife. Kind of like fluffy, yeah. bit campy, I love really it. rubbish, but also sort of very kind of had that sort of enjoyable esque. I don't. I think I enjoyed Call the Midwife slightly more initially while watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with this, they're just sort of, they were just ran, like really just random moments. Like I've written in my notes, what the fuck is this goat? There's just a goat there for a lot of the first bit of the first episode, and I the goat then doesn't reappear. I was like, is the goat a main character? Yeah. I'm interested I don't more in the, the goat. I remember the goat being a main character. Usually, there's like a salamander that's a main character. Oh, the salamander does show up. Yeah, he turns um, up. Okay, cool. But then it's it's kind of like violent murder and now steel pan music. No, that's why I like it because it'll be like <gasps> no, <laughs> do, 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 do. and you're like oh wow gosh like it's okay. it's, it's very like Call of the Middle they're like oh no someone's got tuberculosis oh fun nuns yeah 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 it's, it's, it's very that's that. why I love it it's like at the end he does the dramatic denouement like like yeah. a Poirot thing and you find out who's killed the person or whatever mm. and they start crying and then all of a sudden it's like. Right, let's have some cocktails on the beach. Well. I think for me it was that sort of kind of massive tonal shift didn't work with a detective show, I don't think. I think because it's it's similar in a tonal shift to Call the Midwife, but Call the Midwife isn't a detective show. It's very much kind of, here are some babies and some nuns. And it's it's very much kind of the plot just kind of meanders. But I think it does. And I think it suits it better, whereas I think with a detective show, having it a bit more grounded while still kind of keeping that sort of slightly light-hearted tone would have worked a bit better. I think for me... Oh, I disagree totally because okay. I think the whole point of this is that it's, it doesn't... It's stupid. It's supposed to be stupid. Yeah. It's supposed to be a show that you don't care about any of the people who get killed. Yeah. Like, occasionally they have very serious episodes where people who are not very serious, but, like, then it really doesn't work because, like... Like it's the same the DI like, yeah. or the DS or someone who's like a main character is affected by something. Yeah. And then it's shit because you're like, I don't want to be upset by this. Mm. But this is, like, that Luther antidote, basically. Like, if you yeah. watch that and you're just depressed by it, you go watch Death in Paradise and you're like, I don't even need to follow anything that's going on, but I feel in a great mood now. I, see, I... But I it, was, keeps, yeah. it still gives me the mystery, the mystery mm. that I'm... See, I, I guessed pretty quickly the who the murderer was in the first episode. Yeah, but that's like one episode. Yeah. But also, like, it doesn't matter if you guess, but well, yeah. you're still like, how would they find out? How would they know? Yeah, I just, I don't know, it was... I just, I just kind of got a bit bored, and I think with, for the, with, with what you were saying about kind of there are the sudden more serious episodes. I think those most serious episodes. I'm gonna come keep comparing it to Call the Midwife, but it worked better with Call the Midwife because Call the Midwife had those serious elements throughout the whole thing, whereas this was kind of. But I don't. Yeah. This this was this was very campy, whereas Call the Midwife, it's kind of it's got that serious. But it's only through. us who are comparing it to Call the Midwife. True. Like they're not the same. TV they're, they're, they're they're not, but I think they kind of fulfil the same role. It's the Sunday tea time TV show that you can watch with your nan. Yeah, I guess so. I just think the Call of the Midwife was taken a lot more seriously than it by everyone. Like, as in, yeah, people because, love that show. Because it, like, it got, the first I don't series got a lot you, of prestige. I think it's just, yeah. yeah, seen to be better and, like, mm. doing more, like, it's also it's doing more important things in that is, like, looking at the role of women and yeah. like, working class women and, like, you know, like, yeah, it yeah. looks at quite serious issues, whereas Death in Paradise, like, and he's ever covered a serious issue in his life. No, and I don't think I don't think I don't think that would be a good thing if it did. I no, just personally, yeah, personally for me, I was a bit bored. There were a couple of moments that I was just like, "So can Ben Miller swim?" 
Because there's, there's where everyone suddenly starts swimming. I don't know whether it's meant to be that his character can't swim or that Ben Miller himself actually can't swim because there's sort of a scene where he looks like he's going to jump into the water and then sort of just toddles off and gets a boat. It sounds like the dreamiest job ever. Like, if you're looking for someone, hello. Because I would like to be the Death and Paradise detective, please. You get flown out to the Caribbean for, like, six weeks just to piss about and be like, well, Celeste, I guess I'll have another cocktail. It sounds... The best job yeah. in the whole world. Mm. I'd love that. No, I'm I'm, I'm, I can completely see like why you like it in the role it fills. I just, I just was a bit bored. Fair. No, that is totally fair enough. Yeah. I can see why I would bore you. I just kind of highly recommend to everyone. Yeah, I think I think if you want something show. light and dumb that you can watch yeah. that is not involved in thought that you'll get some beautiful vistas with. Yeah. Death and Paradise. I think it's all on iPlayer. Yeah, I know series one through four is on Netflix. Right, okay, your film. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's documentary episode, because we yes. both picked documentaries this week. Yeah, because knowledge. Yeah, so my choice is from a director who kind of has a lot of sort of buzz around her at the moment. This film got a lot of buzz as well. I think it's quite an important film watching it now, and I think it's very relevant and very timely. And that film is 13th. <laughs> 13th is a documentary from 2016, directed by Ava DuVernay. Uh, it follows racial injustice and mass incarceration in the US um, after the abolition of slavery. So that's where the 13th comes from, with the 13th Amendment to the US Constitution. And it was nominated for the Oscar for Best Documentary in 2016-17, for that sort of season. And it got a lot of buzz around it. I'm interested to see what you think. It's not, not the cheeriest thing in the world, but it, I think it's a very important watch, if you get what I mean. Yes. So, um, I actually made notes of this one. What are your notes? I will read some of them out to you as my initial impressions. Ooh, Ava DuVernay, because I forgot that she directed it. That was exciting. Um, most of these notes, in fact, are like just me being like, didn't know that. Didn't yeah. know that. That's, that's the didn't know that. That was really interesting. It has a lot to say about things that I had no idea about. Mm. And I also, it's really hard to like judge documentaries because you're both judging like, it's like non-fiction books, you're judging yeah. the content and also the way it's presented mm. and that you have to judge them separately. Yeah. The content was really interesting. The way it was presented was really cool in that they had like, like some good graphics, they had really good nice clips and I put the speakers are very expressive and interesting and very yeah. engaged. Like the people they get to talk are very good at making yeah. engaged and it's cool that they had like the former incarcerated amongst them so you mm. could like people who've been in prison equally this is so shameful because it's such a serious topic but i was super tired when i watched this yesterday and i did fall asleep for a little bit of it but like right towards the very end but it was very like it was a lot of the same if yeah. that makes sense like it was not a documentary that which is hard when you're making a documentary because you have a style exactly like, yeah how you, it's weird to have like loads of experts at the beginning and then all of a sudden be like, but no, no more experts. Now we have. But I felt like because it was on Netflix, they didn't feel the need to like keep people coming back. They knew yeah. people would watch it. And I kind of wanted real segment breakdowns on mm. like, oh, let's look at like, let's go and talk to people in a prison right now. Yeah. And stuff like that. And there wasn't any of that. It was, it was very, I think like it was very stylized and I think yeah. that style did kind of have a detriment to sort of possibly the sweeping narrative of it. But when I was watching, I definitely got the, I, I've studied American history quite a bit, both at uni and GC and A level. And I didn't know any of this. Yeah, no, it was really interesting. And I listened to a whole podcast on like, uh, which I can highly recommend. It's called um, white people. And it's like, the history of race in America, but looking at how white people created race mm. and how, like, 
the history of white people, which we always talk about, like the history of black people instead. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and they still didn't like it. I thought it's interesting they showed KKK women. You always show, yeah. They always show men, and it's like really important to be like, no, women were very much involved. Exactly. In that yeah. Um, and I think that's something that yeah. actually um, slightly removed, but still related is Black Klansman does very well. I've is, seen, but which. I cannot recommend Black Clansman enough. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, anyway, 13th. It does kind of have a problem that I think a lot of film documentaries have is that it runs out steam towards the end. Yeah. Because it has kind of repeated a lot of the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. And also I think for us, the stuff at the end of 13th, because it does go chronologically, is stuff that we've lived through and we've definitely experienced kind of in the news much more coverage yeah, of. Yeah, and also like as in the stuff that was while I... Has like had political consciousness. Mm. I'm not gonna count when I was little. I definitely made more of an, I hope, made more of an effort to like read articles about yeah. that and like people told me about it more and stuff like that. So when we got up to like Black Lives Matter and Ferguson, it was less like shocking. Yeah. Which is really weird to say because it was shocking for me to see the videos of the like um like hands up don't shoot and like exactly, don't breathe yeah. like Eric Garner and stuff because I deliberately avoided watching mm. them because I thought that's too upsetting and I know what happens yeah. but I'm like kind of glad they made me watch it because it was a bit but I think this documentary awful. does do a really good job of like making sort of people who are slightly removed from it like we are yeah. kind of it confronts them with it yeah. and I think and that's something it, it does do very very well yeah I think if it was just the people talking and possibly some like newspaper clippings it no wouldn't. I'm really glad they did that and, and I think that's definitely there are some people who think no you shouldn't be showing this thing and I actually think showing it confronts the people who wouldn't necessarily engage with this content or this kind of action at all because they are removed from it but if you put it there and you like that's like you need to see this the thing i thought it didn't necessarily deal with as much as i thought it would and maybe i was like napping for this Mm. bit but it felt like it the black lives matter thing was really interesting in the idea like you're criminalizing black people so people are more like like in the media and stuff etc but i thought it'd be interesting to look more about like the poverty statistics mm-hmm. and like is it is it all police brutality and like police having a terrible I think, view I think of that black did people. get mentioned around the Ferguson bit because Ferguson is quite a sort of deprived area, I yeah. think. Or they were talking about sort of like how kind of essentially zoning within American cities very much falls down racial lines at a lot of places yeah. and then that kind of corresponds to a lot of police stops and they I think they definitely do mention that. And, I just thought that they could have had like a little yeah, a little a, possible. A little bit more. And I really would have liked them to go into a prison and, like, talk yeah. to some... But then I think there's also, like, an issue with runtime. Like, you don't want it to run too long. Because I think, I think it's, yeah. it's quite a sort of streamlined documentary. It's very kind of... But I think that's what makes it a bit repetitive. Because yeah. it's like, well, we don't have time to do, like, all of this, like, random, like, side-tracking thing. So we're just yeah. going to... It's, like, telling you the history. But I just needed, like... I don't, I don't know. The statistics are, like, crazy. And, like, I like the bit where... Reagan is talking about drugs while Nancy is sitting next to him um, and she looks high as a kite. Oh yeah, Nancy, Nancy Reagan looks like kind of like she's done about four lines oh my God. before she enters any <laughs> that room. That cracks me up. Um, the crack versus pounded cocaine thing I had read about before. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. That was something just, that but I... I did like, I'm glad that it was restated because yeah. that is such a like awful. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the thing, the reason you should watch it is because of the idea of the Southern strategy, which I had yeah. no idea about. And there are clips of Reagan's advisor and a Nixon campaigner basically being like, yeah, we're telling people that we're like, we're locking them up because they're criminals. 
but actually we're targeting blacks. Yeah. Like literally that's basically what he says. And then and like, you're like, I'm so, because yeah. usually you like to think that people are trying to do what they think is best. And but they're, they're like accidentally not. fucking over people that they're not thinking yeah. about because they're not like diverse and they're thinking or whatever. But no, these people are racist. Yeah. Yay, and the but whole system is built on. And it's and it's like it's like today there's sort of a lot of news in the States about gerrymandering and sort of like redistricting that essentially puts tons and tons of African Americans and minorities in one district that meaning then basically yeah. Republicans sweep the rest of it. Yeah. And they're like, Oh no, we're targeting Democrats when realistically they're targeting yeah. black people and it's just finding new names for like new... a minority basically that aren't offensive. So. Yeah. Well not offensive but like aren't considered a racial thing. And it's and thought... it's, it's kind of it's tons and tons of euphemisms on euphemisms on euphemisms and I think this documentary is a really good thing of being like, no. Yeah. Enough with the euphemisms. I this also is... thought like the the point that someone made early on about drug dependency being called a crime rather than a health issue. Mm. And that's like I thought that I love to see, I should look up a whole documentary on that because yeah. when you say it like that you're like yeah, it's so weird that we're mm. like, you have an addiction, go to jail. Exactly. Like, what a weird thing to do. Mm. Even though, obviously, like, that's not all that there is, and, like, there's, there no. are, like, means and ways of getting help and stuff, but it just, it was weird that yeah. that happened, and I mean, we continue to think of it like that. Yeah, there are, there are some countries that are now basically decriminalising possession of drugs. Yeah. So if, if you're caught, but, and then you're offered treatment, and yeah, you can get them I think Portugal, that. most famously, decriminalised all drug possession. Yeah. But dealing is still illegal. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where where they drew the line. It's really interesting. That, I just read like, an article in uh, Marie Claire of all places, which was mm. about like how loads and loads of women, especially in America, but like I think in the UK as well, are developing addictions to opioids. Yeah. Because get, you know, prescribed for them as pain. And it was all about a doctor, a female doctor who like started taking crazy amounts mm -hmm. of opioids a day, like enough to kill you if you'd taken it all at once. And they found out that she'd been sneaking it from the hospital. And then... What I thought was amazing is that the hospital were like, okay, that's awful. We had no idea. So we're going to send you to rehab, especially for doctors. Mm. And then afterwards you can probably, yeah, and then you can save your doctor's license. And I was like, what? That's sick. Like, as in, she was, as in, she was taking, as in she was taking drugs, yeah. but she was never working on them. No. I just thought it was really amazing because your, your instinct would be like, well, she's going to get locked up exactly, or like yeah. she'll she's lose, her, lose license her license or whatever. Or... But like she's been clinging for how many years? That That's seems amazing. a lot better strategy yeah. than like being like fuck you and yeah. your life. With with the opus and there's a really interesting um, segment on Full Front with Samantha B about the Sackler family and how they basically sort of marketed OxyContin as like a safe painkiller when in fact it was more addictive than morphine. And they've and it's a really interesting segment about basically kind of how they've refused to accept responsibility but done in a kind of very satirical way because Samantha Bee's is a satirist. Right. Um, she's, if you haven't watched Full Friends with Samantha Bee, she's got some amazing segments there on YouTube. Okay, yeah. um, I'll write it down. Kind of sort of similar vibe to like Stephen Colbert or the cool. um, the Daily Show, like Trevor Noah, sort of that sort of mm. vibe. Um, she does a lot more kind of things on like reproductive rights as well. And nice. I think, and she also does kind of segments on kind of mass incarceration and migrant um, and immigration issues as well. It's yeah. done really, really well. Um, but I think with going back to 13th, yeah. I think the thing that it is, it's just kind of, for me, the thing that shocked me was the scale. And the, yeah, and the, the numbers they show growing up is like insane. Like, it'll be like over 10 years, only 
Yeah. Like their numbers stay pretty stable. And then over the next five years, like 200,000 more people are in jail. I know. And the next one, it's like, we were at a million and now we're at two million. And then it, it's and, just like, how? And you're like, you have a larger what? prison population than some countries. That's a problem. That's insane. I just read a really good book actually called The Mars Project, which I would recommend. Bye. It's on my bookshelf and I'm trying to see it. Rachel Kushner. And it was nominated for the Man Booker Prize. Okay. And it's all about female incarceration. Oh, interesting. Be interesting. Would Might recommend that. Yes, do. Okay. My film. Yes. My documentary. Your documentary. <gasps> oh my god. So, this was talked about by like everyone ages ago. When I say ages ago, like a few months ago. So long ago. It came um, out this year. Yeah, like at the beginning of the year, everyone was talking about this. It is Fire, the greatest party. Surprised it never happened. I'm just gonna call it fire from now on. Um, spelt F Y R E. Oh. Oh. So edgy. Startup. Um, is from 2019. It's on Netflix. It's directed by Chris Smith, and it basically is a documentary tracking the story of the infamous Fire Festival and how it all went very badly wrong. Um, so if you don't know the story of the Fire Festival. Basically, it was like promoted as the greatest festival of all time. And like, like it's really exclusive. Island, yeah. Very exclusive. You had to pay loads of money to be there. Loads of influencers would be there. It'd be like the best thing ever. Um, and then a year later, the influencers, or not even influencers, like members of the public who had that much money, turned up and found themselves confronted with no music, no festival, refugee camps to Everything stay in, was like so refugee tents. Yeah. Everything was like raining. No food. Um, and there was no way of getting back home for a few days because it's an island and they only had like one plane. Yeah. So couldn't do anything. And at the time everyone was like, you fucking losers spending all that money. Like if you have that much money, you kind of deserve this. Yeah. Equally, this documentary makes you realise just how badly the they people were all doing it fucked up and yeah. how much they were conned. So very interesting. What did you think? I think I think it's a really interesting documentary. It is kind of so many moments of like, how the fuck's this happened? Oh god, this has gone wrong. Fuck. Yeah. And there's there's a like, moment on moment on moment, and it's sort of essentially, it's it's the cla it's basically it's a classic case of style over substances. They're like, it needs to look amazing on all the promos. It needs to be yeah. covered in Instagram models. Oh, if we just post an orange square, then this be this. And then thinking, have you got somewhere for somewhere to stay? Have you booked the bands? Have you paid the bands? But the really interesting thing is that you'd think that that would be fine because you got so many people buying. But they didn't even do like the basic sums of like, well, how much money do we need? How much money how, do Then we how have? much do we have to charge people yeah. for that to be okay? But as far as I can tell, didn't they even didn't do, do that. that. They just promoted it and then were like, great, loads of people are coming and then worked out from there. Yeah. Which is like, Equally, you could do that if you budgeted really carefully, but they didn't do it then. Yeah. It, was, it was mystifying. And it was meant to be on this private island that was famously owned by Pablo Escobar. Yeah. And the Escobar estate said, that's fine, just in all the promo material, you cannot mention it was owned by Pablo Escobar. What does Billy McFarlane, the fuckhead that does all this, first title card, on the island owned by Pablo Escobar, you're like, great, you actual lemon. It's so stupid as well. I mean, I get why he did it because I bet loads of people booked, like, were like, oh, oh yeah, whoa, that's cool. So exclusive. Um, equally, dumb as fuck. So then dumb. he couldn't use that island. He had to use a different island. And it and just and basically like fucked over the entire population of that island. Do you know what's really amazing about this documentary though is that 
there's this woman who's oh, so amazing and restaurant she just gets owner. totally messed totally over by over. and like she doesn't get she loses so much money of it and it's really upsetting but afterwards because of the documentary people did a crowdfund for her and she made like all the money back oh, and they helped rebuild the island so actually like normal people are quite nice yeah. yay happy story and and it but there was just so many kind of it's essentially the story of a rich kid with no sense and a way of scamming people that has a track record of scamming people, scamming people to such a degree that he has one of the biggest monumental failures ever. He's like just got, I don't understand how he charms people, but he clearly is like clearly the most does, charming yeah. person in the whole world. People are willing to do anything for him going on to a witch. Oh God. Okay, S don't listen if you don't want spoilers. No, 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 no. This is, this is a spoiler about. alert for this because, so there is, one of the sort of people who stuck with him, he's called... He's so cute! So lovely! And clearly, like, sort of things... And clearly, like, we should also say some of this is his fault. Yes. Like, he is to blame, very much so, because he sticks by Billy yeah. and he, like... But, very Guy sweet. called Andy. Guy called Andy. And they have an issue with it. They've ordered hundreds and hundreds of bottles of Evian water that's been held by customs because they haven't done their customs forms. Because uh, it's in Barbados and they have rules about water coming in. And they are holding it, they're not going to release it. And Billy says... No, wait, wait, wait. So Andy is gay, yes. importantly. And he goes, he's like, Andy, for the sake of the festival, you have to go and suck the dick of the customs officer. Because then he'll give you the water. Yeah. As if he's like agreed it with the customs officer before as well. And it's like... So weird. And then the best bit is how he explains it. Because Andy just goes like, and then I brush my teeth, got I got in my, my car, car, and I got and ready to suck his dick. dick. And I was and like... like Oh my god! Oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah. Also, he's like, he's not an old man. He looks great, but like... He's like, mid to late 40s at least. Yeah, 100%. I watched this on a bus and I was just there like, What?! It's the best twist ever! And you just think, and you think, he's gone along with this thing. And the things that they thought to pay for and get, instead of other things... So it's just water. So they, they decided to get a yoga instructor, but no beds. I mean, honestly... Mad. And they were kind of saying it was going to be the next Woodstock. Andy man. King. That's yeah. his name. Sorry. We need to, I'm just going to look up how old he is as well. Keep talking. <laughs> and it just, there's just so many kind of things. And when everything goes wrong, all the management team bounce. They all, they all leave and basically leave essentially all the locals to deal with all these kids that have nowhere to stay. They have no food. Because also they booked it at the same time that in Barbados they have this massive like national regatta. Yeah, so there's nowhere there's to stay. There's nowhere to stay. And it's also just really like, as in, it, it sounds horrible. Yeah. Like, originally you're like, these are rich kids, like, what do I give a fuck if they're like in tents or whatever. Yeah. But like, one of them makes a the point that it's really scary at night because you're essentially like, like a festival, you're like with people yeah. like at a festival, so like you don't know them. Mm. Bad shit goes on at festivals anyway, but there's no lights. No. Like obviously think about a festival, there's like obviously lighting and like they try and make it, and they have security and it's relatively safe. Here, people are staying in tents and you have no fucking clue who's no. around you. Like you don't know what someone's gonna do to you in the middle and, of the And the thing is, is that when kind of everything goes wrong, they're intense, it turns into fucking Lord of the Flies. Like yeah. they, they are stealing mattresses, they are stealing lockers, yeah. they are kind of running around, like trying to get somewhere to stay. But then you kind of think back to the build-up of the festival and sort of essentially that the promo material is all of these really quite fucking famous Instagram models. Yeah. Just they're like, hey, like Emily Ratajkowski, uh, Bella Hadid, mm. these sorts of people, like famous people on a boat with Ja Rule as 
the promo footage. Okay, Andy King is 57 years old. Oh, damn. Yeah, he looks good. I know. Um, also, just a few more facts about him. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, a, he might get his own TV show. <laughs> Approved. Because he's a standout star of it. And B, he begged filmmakers to cut that infamous scene. Like the bit with the blowjob. Uh, and they were like, no. But it's made him famous. And, yeah, no, I don't think he regrets it now. No. Um, also, the people to avoid are Billy McFarlane and also Ja Rule. Yeah. Who don't really understand who he is. He was uh, a rapper, musician. Rapper, musician. Um, and he also fucked everyone over. Yeah. Like, but weirdly, Ja Rule's kind of just sort of, he's managed to step away from it somewhat yeah. clean, whereas I, Billy McFarlane's going to prison. Yeah. Because essentially he scammed tons of people, embezzled lots of money. Like, he's going to prison for fraud. And I'm like, yeah, fair but enough. he's still trying to scam people. I know. That was the thing is that... At the end, they end with, like, the... the oh. Yeah, because it seems like towards the end, the documentary kind of runs a bit out of steam. And then it kind of catches up with Billy sort of a year after fire. And he's with this other douchebag. Yeah. And they're planning a new scam. Like, using the fire festival mailing list. And you're like, you're such a shit. Yeah. Why are but, you But, like, people are taking this? him to court. Which yeah. Is so they interview some people and you think that they're just interviewed because they're going, they went to the fire festival, but it turns out they're actually suing, suing him. him. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I do think this is a really kind of entertaining watch. It's probably the most entertaining documentary I've watched in a while. Yeah. Just because it's of so the scale great. of how much And also, like, wrong. it's stressful, but, like, it's stuff that can be... Like, all the, the stuff with the people on the island, at least. Yeah. That is being Which I'm so glad for, because the restaurant owner, like, she is just... So her, her interview at the end is heartbreaking. It is really hairy. Um, There are really good fire festival memes about Andy King also. Oh. Um, such as, choose your payment method, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and then there's just a picture of Andy King's face. <laughs> or, job interviewer, describe a situation when you went above and beyond for a customer. Me. And it's just a picture of his face again. <laughs> I love them. So look those up. Yeah. But I think, I think yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on the documentary. So it's time for Scores on the Doors. Scores on the Doors. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Garfunkel Notes. I think because I just like the song so much, I've given it slightly high score, so I've given it six. But, I mean, I don't think that's so high, but um, yeah, I've given it a five because it was meh. Yeah, fair enough. I agree with that. The score, yeah, the song made it a five. If yeah. it hadn't had the song, I would have put like three or something, I think. Yeah. Um, Death in Paradise, I love it. I gave it a six. Like, I don't think it's yeah. good, but I love it anyway. I, I completely see why you gave that score. I just was a bit bored, so I gave it four. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, 13th, I gave it an eight. Yeah, I also gave it an eight. Yeah, I had I had it lower originally, and actually, I think, from our discussions, just remembering more about it, I think it's worth having a, a higher score on it. Yeah. I wouldn't give it like ten because, as I said, I if I can, I see that it's a problem with me as a watcher. Yeah. But I also feel like a TV show should cater for that. Yes, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. That's... Um. Sorry. And fire the greatest party. I gave a seven because I actually enjoyed it more than thirteenth. But you're not supposed to enjoy thirteenth. So <laughs> yeah, I. That's totally exactly fine. what I feel, and I've also given it seven. I think it's, it's, it's a very sort of it's a ride as fire. Yeah. As a documentary. And as we progress to the leaderboard, I actually don't think anything has changed since last well, week. Well, we both agreed on those kind of things. Yeah, so it was it pretty similar quite, scores. Um, kind of in the middle. Still at the bottom of the leaderboard for films, 27 Dresses, Tucker and Dove is Evil, 10-Year Plan, and then for TV, Gilmore Girls, The Last Kingdom and You. And the top, I think, also remains unchanged uh, with TV, West Wing, Line of Duty and Happy Valley, and then films, Lady Bird, Children of Men, and Let the Right One In. 
Yeah. I think fine. that's... Fine. I mean, I'm happy with all of those. However, <laughs> the leaderboard may be shaken up because next week we are having Prestige Week. Prestige. Episode 13, Prestige and Week. And 13 is my lucky number, as we know. And it's also my lucky number as well. Oh! oh good. And Taylor Swift's lucky number. Um, I think that for this week, these are things that me and Alice have both given high scores to. The high scores. And we hope that the other person agrees. So for my TV, I am sending ours back to a historical drama, but I think it's a very, oh, yay. I think it's a very interesting historical drama in that it follows a company in the US Army through the European campaign in World War II. And oh it shit, follows... I didn't realise it was a US army. Yeah. That actually does make it more interesting for me, you know? <laughs> well, that's the thing is because... I feel like I've seen a lot of, like, British dramas out no, there. No, 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 And I feel awful by saying that, but also... Oh, but it's, it's interesting, there are a lot of early career British actors in this. So you get, like, Damien Lewis at the start of his career, Classic. Michael Fassbender, Tom Hardy... Classic. Um, Simon Pegg. Oh, all Simon these... Pegg? Yeah! All no. of these people are in it. Um, it's uh, also uh, made, like, executive produced by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, oh. and it is Band of Brothers. Yeah, which... cool. I think. Look forward to it. I, I'm, I'm excited for you to watch this. Okay. Um, my TV show is like my favourite TV show potentially of all time. So if yeah. you like it, we're stopping the podcast. Because um, <laughs> it claim no point. Uh, it's called Inside Number Nine. Ooh. And it's um, picture like Black Mirror, but with more comedy. Okay. And, and it's less about like the future and it's more like just weird stuff. Okay, I'm, that I'm here for It's that. not about technology. Um, but it's like Black Mirror and that is episodic, each one is totally separate. Yeah. Watch the first one, mm-hmm. I hope you will watch more. If yes. you do, I can recommend you the best ones, but like almost every episode is amazing. Okay. Um, I've heard it compared, someone I know compared, said it was a cross between Black Mirror and The Mighty Boosh. Yeah, that doesn't make kind of sense. I haven't watched very much of The Mighty Boosh. No, neither have I. It's made by the same people who did League of Gentlemen. Yes. Um, Which I did enjoy. Anyway. Steve Pemberton and Rich Smith. And they're in every episode. Okay. Uh, playing different people and the conceit is that every single one takes place inside a number nine so like either just number nine house or it could be like a restaurant called number nine or one of them is on a sleeper train and it's like the number nine sleeper carriage okay one of them is like uh yeah number nine at a hotel or floor number nine at a hotel that was amazing it's all in the iambic pentameter it's like shakespeare okay oh my god i'm I'm Every intrigued. single episode is so good, but I'm it starts at the beginning, yes. and they keep watching. There's been like four series. I okay. Can't, I can't even talk about it so good. Okay, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. My film. This is a film that I am shocked you haven't seen because I think, I just think it's one of the best films ever, and I wow. and I cannot believe because it's it's one of those films that if you say, do you think that this film is a classic, and everyone's like. Yes, it's a classic, and that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do 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 Fucking amazing theme music. Young Harrison Ford is gorgeous. So I've only seen old Harrison Ford because I've only seen the like Shia LaBeouf. Oh, okay. This is the thing: is that some people like of our age have only seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I'm like, no. In Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, as much as it has Kate Blanchett in it, and I fucking love Kate Blanchett. I did enjoy it. Like. I watched it at cinema. Raiders of the Lost Ark is so I'm much very better. Fond memories of that. And it, oh. I quite like, like, I'm not gonna lie, I quite like to see it. I wish it was on in a cinema. Yeah. I feel like Indiana Jones is like queen of like cinema experience where you're yeah. like, I'm gonna eat my pig and mix and my popcorn. And, and it's, I'm gonna like, watch it. It's, it's a good time. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's just one of those films I'm like, if you have not seen this, you're going to sit down and you're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark because okay. it's amazing. Okay. 
Um, I've also picked a film which I'm shocked you haven't seen because it's so up your alley. Yeah. Um, which has two different names depending on if you're in the UK or the US. Yeah. Um, the UK name is shit, but we're gonna go by that. Which is Zootropolis. Ooh. Why did we call it that? The real name is Zootopia. Utopia. So much cleverer. Utopia. Zootopia. Yeah. Uh, I don't get why the UK name was different. They thought we were dumb. Anyway, we're not dumb, but we'll call it Zootropolis for the sake of marketing. Yeah. Um, which is about like animals. They all live in a place Shakira is an animal. <laughs> oh yeah, Shakira's a random gazelle she has or a something. Song. I don't know if she, yeah, I think she, she's not a gazelle. I think she's something like that though. Anyway, right, cool. and they're separated into predators and prey. And everyone like thinks predators are really dangerous. So they're like stigmatized and everyone like stigmatizes prey. It's basically thinly veiled critique of racism in society, Ooh. but about animals. Great. And Friendly about for fox, your children. Yeah, it's about a fox and a, um, a rabbit who like team up randomly. Oh, great. Well, they have to team up. One of them's a police officer, one of them's not. Like a wily trickster, guess who's who? Um, Idris Elba is in it. Oh, I do like Idris Elba. He's hilarious. Um, who else is in it? There's a sloth. I've One seen of the, the sloth in the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, so I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm looking. I think I think next week. Next week. Could... If you don't like either of them, I will question you because like I thought you were this person. You, yeah. That means you're a different person. I thought you were. Yeah, and and if for me. If you don't like Band of Brothers, I'll get it. But if you don't like Rage of the Lost Ark, I don't think we could be friends anymore. Because it. Oh the thing God. is, you enjoyed Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and Rage of the Lost Ark is. But I'm, I think I need so to find to watch Rage of the Lost Ark with because I don't feel like it's all on your own. Watch. Yeah, I, I definitely think like watch it with people and just. Okay. Oh, it's okay. so it's so good. So thank you for listening this week. Yes, uh, get in touch. We have social media. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Don't Make Me Watch. You can follow us on Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch. You can email us at Please Don't Make Me Watch at gmail.com. And also you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. Spotify. Stuff. Whoa, I was going to promo Spotify more. We're on Spotify. We've been on Spotify before. It's very exciting. <laughs> We've been on Spotify for a few episodes by this point already, but woo! Don't care, we're still on it. Um, so yeah. Check us out there. Yeah. Um, and we look and, forward... And have a lovely fortnight. Yeah, we will see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.